0: Children's National Hospital in Washington D.C. improves children's health by developing better treatments and technologies. Ranked number 5 in the nation, we take on the most complex, rare, and life-threatening conditions because all children deserve a healthy future. Learn more at childrensnational.org/innovation. Launch of, launch of, podcast,
1: podcast.
2: I'm rain and I'm summer and you're listening to launch left podcast a space for fame creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels. It's also an intentional space to highlight and empower all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. I have a couple updates. Launch left is, is absolutely going to make sure that every one of our episodes has a launched artist or a launch left artist. So we're going to hear from a new emerging artist on every episode. The other is that we're partnering with EB Studios, um, and more on that soon. But you, I think you can download the app now and go to ebstudios.org and check out what they do. There's a lot of updating there, but um, that's going to be a really cool once it's all sussed. A cool tool for artists to. Um, Hopefully, be able, especially freelance artists right now, to be able to raise funds for each other. Artists helping artists platform, and we're happy to be a part of it. Um, And today, we're going to have a very cool guest, Kathy Valentine. Thank you for coming on our show. It is so nice to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you too. Thank
2: you for having me. Absolutely. What a what a powerhouse human being you are. You have been at it for really.
3: So. That's true. I, I oh. sometimes I forget and I think like there's not that many sixty-one year old women that can say they've been playing in bands for 45 years. So
2: I know I, that
3: is I kind of like hold it up as a badge of honor. Yeah, as, as you,
2: you should. should. As you should. Yeah. And and I love how it was kind of a it sounds like it was almost a you just filled in for someone in the go-go's and that sort of kicked off, you know your time with them and then everything that's come after that that you've just been an active artist and musician and driven by your craft is always what interests me you know um
3: yeah pretty much from the minute I started playing I just wanted to be in a band and that's all I wanted to do and now I want to do some other things now I want to write books and I mean I have a lot of interests it's not that I don't have other interests but That was my longing from the minute I started was just to be in a band. I think I'll always do it as long as I live, as long as I can. I should say.
0: I have a question. How many times are is it count is it countable on two hands? um, How many times you felt like I can't go on, I can't do this, and I'm not referring to only being in a band, but like uh, maybe even life. Were there times? in your journey that you were just like it's I can't I just can't it's not whether it's not worth it or um I don't know where I'll go from here or um you know where there you just felt like some level of of destitution
3: sure um in my book the the first time I really dealt with that was in in the period from 1985 to when I got sober in 89 uh, when the Go-Go's were broken up, I was so lost. I was so confused. I was only 25, but I felt like my life was over. Unless I could get another band, that's all I knew how to do. It wasn't just the achieving my dream. It was a way to take care of myself. It was security. I felt safe. Uh, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't feel secure. I didn't feel safe. We were poor. And this was not only being in a band, but it was like a way I could take care of myself. So that was the first time. But, in life since then, with being older i have i've often felt like i'm spinning my wheels and getting nowhere and in the nineties, what I found was going back to school was really helpful. I started taking college classes because you're moving forward if you take a class, you're not only learning something but you, you do the work and you get further, like you, you get an A and you get that approval and that validation. And I found when I felt like I was spinning my wheels and not getting anywhere creatively, it just kind of put a new perspective and made me feel like there was some logic and sense. Like, like you can, like I've put together so many bands where they're great, great musicians, great songs, and we can't get arrested you know, because when I'm not in the go-go's, I'm always still in bands and it can get very frustrating because you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? Why don't people come and line up around the block to see us? And you're doing, it's all good. You know, I'm not like delusional. I know what a good band is. And that can be really frustrating. And of course you do it for the fun of it, but you also want to earn a living at the very least and be popular at the very best. So, um, Going to school, I've been kind of a, a, a lifelong learner, and anytime, like when I got divorced, that was another time I felt very lost, and I just doubled up my efforts. I took a full uh, course load, and it just—it's really good. It's a really good thing to do. I think that's, that's a good, really good answer. That's such so. Like, when it happened when I was young, I didn't know how to deal with it. I just floundered and floundered, and it ultimately led me getting to getting sober because I thought if I change this one thing. If I just change this one thing where I don't wake up with a freaking hangover, feeling like shit, maybe other things will change. So, but in sobriety, I also had to find ways to deal with exactly what you're talking about.
0: It seems as though you just picked up bass, right? You were in another band before the Go Go's and you were playing guitar, is that right? And then. Yeah, I,
3: I had been, I thought I was a seasoned pro when the Go-Go's approached me, because I'd been playing guitar for five years. It was my, uh, it was my fifth band. Um, And uh, at that point, what I really wanted was to make it, to be successful. That's why I moved to LA. It was, I love playing music. I love being in a band, but I I also, that was going to be how I made my way through the world. And I had no doubt. So it was 21 years old it never entered my mind that i wouldn't succeed at, at that so when i when the go Go's who were happening at that time they didn't have a record deal uh, but they they could i mean they they invited me to do four nights at the whiskey and in those days you did two shows a night an early show and a late show so basically eight sold out shows and that was something that i hadn't got to experience you know so i was like sure i'll play i'll play bass i'll play cowbell you know what I I just wanted to be in a band that was happening that that was making it and it was just the added thing was that I loved everyone it was like a sisterhood the songs I mean the songs was what made me want to do it like at first I think I would just wanted something to do but when I learned the songs I'm going oh my god this band is so good they could go to the top this is the band that I've been looking for
2: that's so cool I wonder what LA was like in those days. Is it, is it similar? Do you feel like it's kind of the same or was that a very special timestamp?
3: Well, you know, scenes are like, like, like music scenes are very organic and, you know, there might be one that I don't know about. You know, when you get older, it's like you're not in the clubs every night. So like even I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm sometimes I'm surprised to find out there's like a scene that I don't know about because it's people in their, you know, 18, 1920s, you know, going out and but at that point it was a it was a great scene because there was punk bands, there was rockabilly bands, there was power pop bands, there was like Americana Rootsie bands. Um, and everybody was like, every band had their own character and yet it was all one big scene. Like you could go, you, you could look just like a regular teenager or a young person and go to see like a hardcore punk band. And it wasn't like, I guess what I'm saying, it wasn't like clicky. It wasn't like, oh, you don't fit in with this band or you like, you like that kind of music. So you're not welcome at this. It was really inclusive. Awesome. and a lot of girls a lot of women in bands which I love too.
2: What was some of your favorite um before we move on to all about you what was some of your favorite tours like headlining or opening tours with other bands like did you get on with other bands to, at that time what was your favorite band to tour with
3: The first thing that made me go like anything can happen was when we got to open for the Rolling Stones in 1981. Wow. The Stones had been my favorite band and to actually be on a stage and play right before them. To me, that was like, anything can happen now. It just, was not, even when I was wanted to make it in a band, it didn't enter my mind that I could do that. So that was exciting, even though we only got to meet two Rolling Stones that time, but yeah. um, playing with the police did a lot. The police were one of the biggest bands in the world. And we, that kind of put our band over the top because it exposed us to arenas with 10, 15,000 people night after night. And the fact that we could win over those audiences because the police fans, even though they were like new wave and punk, you know, part of that whole thing, they were really, really good musicians. And um, people that liked them, I think, appreciated that. You know, they were virtuosos, all three of them. And we weren't. We were just, you know, five girls in our 20s playing good songs. And we could. we were certainly competent and capable um but we weren't virtuosos you know our songs didn't need that they just needed melodies and good drums and hooks and and stuff so
2: did you ever feel like It took a while to win over those kind of audiences or was it pretty instantaneous for you all? I know that's one of those hard things for opening bands. You know, they get a good stadium tour with someone or open for someone and the fans don't really even want to be there until the headliner's on. Did you find that that was a pretty quick like, whoa, we like this band and the crowds were into you? Or did it take a while?
3: In America, it was like that. But our tour started with the police started in Europe and that was, that sucked because they were just like, we weren't in america we had been playing and and we were like driving around in a van and then we graduated to a, a tour bus and we were playing all the clubs that our favorite bands before us had gone like the ramones and blondie and talking heads and all the cool bands played the same i called it the punk rock uh circuit and um so it was really it was dis- it was um, disconcerting to be in europe and have people not nobody booed us but it it wasn't like exciting It it just felt like we were kind of horning in on their popularity. But in America, people knew who we were because we'd been on Saturday Night Live and we'd been on MTV. And I think a lot of the people that came were like kind of curious and like, oh, here's here's I'm going to see the police, but I get to see the Go-Go's too. And another thing that happened that was amazing at a really low time for the band was we got um, our, our guitarist had got carpal tunnel syndrome and she couldn't. She couldn't play for like four or five months and we weren't working and I was really lost because by that time I was like, we were writing, recording, or touring and that was my entire life. And right in the middle of that low period, we got offered to open for David Bowie at Anaheim Stadium. And that was just like mind blowing. And we came back from that rough period and we were so good. And I write about it really well in my book because... And I don't mean like a pat myself on the back. I mean, it was important to me writing this book that people understood what it felt like, you know, because it's it's one thing to just go, oh, and then this happened. And oh, and then we did that. And then we got to do that. You know, anybody can list out the things that they've done or what happened. But to be able to convey what it really felt like was the thing that made me happiest and the most proud about writing my book. Cause when you read about us opening for the stones or opening for Bowie or opening for the police or any of this stuff, you, I think I really got on the page what it felt like.
2: Was it you did any of the, uh, this is just such a random question. Did anyone, uh, make out with anyone else in those bands?
3: Just curious.
2: <laughs> oh, like with well, when we were oh, there the, out with the police or with Rolling Stones or David Bowie,
3: I think there was some flirting going on with a couple of the girls, but what did happen when we got big and we had opening bands, it's an interesting thing. Like, <laughs> like you always hear about a guy band, like they go out and they're, they're just like getting laid every night. Go so, to
0: the road, go to the road, Kathy. Code so of the road. That
3: wasn't for us though. So and I don't know if it's a statement about women or, I mean, I personally have my beliefs that women are a little physiologically wired differently to kind of nurture and, and want to um, create relationships. So what we would do rather than have one night stands is we would create these little mini relationships with either people on our, not all of us, but at times in different combinations, either flings with somebody in the opening band or guys that cute guys that worked for us. That would happen definitely. And then the tour would end, and it would be over. But it wasn't like never one night stands. Hard. I mean, I'm not saying never, but you know that wasn't our driving thing. It was we were more interested in finding a good thrift store than finding. Oh.
0: Um, I remember that you guys also. You were talking about oh MTV and. And uh, Saturday Night Live, but I remember you from a, a PETA campaign where you rat. I rather go go naked than wear fur. Is that true? Is that?
3: No, yeah, that was fact- in the nineties. Uh, we broke up in eighty five. We got back together in nineteen ninety, and um, we did a, a big concert as our big comeback concert for the an environmental initiative that Jane Fonda was doing. And we did that concert, and we did the PETA campaign too. And we were the first, we were the first ones to do the I'd rather go naked than wear fur. We were the first.
0: I love that Jane Fonda's still going at it with her fire drill Fridays. This is 20, uh, or rather even more than that, like 25, 30 years later. Um, Are you guys, um, how, we have three questions that we usually ask. And one of them is, um, how does your art, artistry activate you? Um, is there something, um, in your God given talent that inspires you to, to give back in some way?
3: I think the act of doing it for so long is inspiring women to show that traditional expectations, uh, now that isn't something that this generation deals with as much, but I know that like in the nineties, um, A lot of the the riot girl bands and the feminist bands like Bikini Kill and a lot of bands were inspired by what they saw us do and it made it open things up. So when you're a creator, you kind of by nature, you you're more in being open and have your antenna out and and connecting with people. And I think it just inspires me to always be open be listening. Be paying attention. Uh, be empathetic. That took a long time. I had to become a mature person, but I th- I think it's that's the most inspiration. It just kind of keeps me connected in a way because I-, I can't be a creator if I'm not open and connected.
2: And and what were some of your influences? That's another uh, question we have. Is uh, musically like what inspired you? How did how did music find you? That's how we
3: ask it, right, sis? So how did music find you? Well, I loved I always loved music even before I was a musician and like so many, like all of us, I think, uh I music was my conduit to there's a world out there aside from what I'm experiencing here. Cause sometimes the world can feel very small when you're uh, you know, thirteen, fourteen, going through adolescence. I had a, a very, really unconventional uh childhood with just me and my mom. My mom uh, didn't have boundaries, didn't have guidance, didn't really parent. She loved me. She provided love and and supported me in whatever I wanted to do. But I was pretty much just a wild child. And I was having sex and drinking and doing drugs, all with her knowledge from the age of 12. So um, I forgot what I was saying. Wait, what was the question? Uh, oh, yeah, influences. So music the the way we were made us ostracized a lot we didn't fit and it was very very painful to not be like the people around me and uh in school and stuff in fact I ended up dropping out of school with my mom's blessing and going to a hippie commune which is where I started playing guitar but when I started playing guitar it never occurred to me that I could take the guitar buy an electric guitar plug it into an app and be in a band like all my favorite bands like Eric Clapton or Keith Richards or, you know, be in a band with a singer like David Bowie or something. It just never occurred to me. So I, my mom's English and we went to England and it was 1973. And I was 14 years old and we, I turned on the TV at my grandmother's house and there was my very first rock star that I'd ever seen that was a woman. And it was Susie Quattro. A lot of people in America think Happy Days, Leather Tuscadero. Way before then, she was a freaking rock star and she was awesome she had this great shag haircut and she's like eh. and i my mind was blown my mind was blown and from that moment i was like all i wanted to do was find other girls that wanted to do this too and be in a band and have it be all women and i wanted us to be at the top i wanted to make it i wanted to be up there with all the there's just so many guys there's you know everyone from cream to the faces to led zeppelin to all the bands I loved were men and there was no women. And I just wanted to see that. I wanted to see, I wanted to be in that band. You did it. Well, for a little while, it it still (laughs) wasn't the longevity. You know, I wanted to be in the kind of band like, you know, even today, like you look at the Foo Fighters or Radiohead or Green Day. These are bands that have made tons of albums and have stayed together and they're all guys, you know? So it's, it's still my You know, uh, and I don't know why more women, there's lots of women musicians. It's very different. There's lots of women musicians, great musicians, you know, everyone from pink to Beyonce to all kinds of people employ great female musicians, but you still don't see that many great bands that get together and stay together. And I'm, I'm a little mystified why more girls don't want to be in a band. I mean, every year these chicks go off to college and they can't wait to join a sorority, you know, (laughs) it's like, well,
0: do you think it has anything to do with, I mean, you were talking about earlier, like your lifestyle was very much, um, where you were writing, recording and touring. Right. And, and how that sort of was your life. And when you didn't, when you weren't doing one of those things, it became a very big low point for you in your life. And, Mm I, and then how your sort of your journey about finding, um, a way to take care of yourself, which isn't really super conducive. You know, tour life is not super conducive to, to that. And you are also talking about like women, your theory that women create, uh, relationships, um, like micro relationships uh, all over the place. And I don't know, for me, it, it makes me think like, uh, probably a lot of ma a lot of women musicians, like in many other fields become mothers and that, yeah. and you, you have a daughter, correct? And I'm yeah, and
3: it was hard. Like when I had to, when I had to tour, when my daughter was a baby, it was really hard. And for sure, if you're successful, you know, Chrissy Hine became a mom and still toured, you know? Um, so I think, I think but
0: she she didn't have an all female band. Yeah, no,
3: that's exactly, but she's a, she was a woman that still did it. So I think I think the point you were going to make is very valid that I think, you know, the call of especially for the earlier pioneer women, pioneer like covered wagons. Um like the there was there was a, there was chicks in the 60s that were starting bands, but imagine how hard it was then to you know, put aside your traditional role. They probably started a band and thought, okay, now it's time to have a baby and that's the end of that, you know? And I was lucky because I was had enough success that, you know, I could bring an Annie with me, you know, it was still like worlds colliding, you know, you're like breastfeeding on the bus, you know, and it's, it was weird, but um, what it is, why more women don't start bands? Cause I know that I know women love this, the sisterhood. I know that. Uh, I know women love to rock and roll just as much as guys do. I know we can do it as well, so but they just
0: I, I i think that you know what I was hearing were that you were lamenting was like the longevity, like why there wasn't longevity in it, and that was the point I think that I was you know, cur- you know trying to sift through in my own head out loud talking to you is like it seems to me that in fact uh you know we Uh, crave to have children at some point yeah
3: and if you do you're successful you can do it all I mean I do know some women that are like at the top tiers that became moms and still keep their bands going but it's hard you know but I'm
0: saying that I think that it's probably what we have found to be like semi-impossible is that it's all girl bands. It's one thing to be your own, you know, a solo and be successful and then you have it. But like if you had a five women in a band like the go-go's and you all decided to follow a maternal path as well as stay in the band, that would have been extremely difficult. Just, just another, I mean, dudes just have it easier in this in that realm as well. Can we talk a little bit about your
2: book? I'm curious how long it took for you to write it and how many drafts before you felt like it was done?
3: It took about three years. Um, I took eight months off because my dad was was moved back to Austin and then got really sick. And I went through, I didn't know my dad very well in my life. And that was our journey. So for eight months, I stopped writing and got to know my dad while he went through that journey of the end of his life. And he was lucid the whole time. So it was a real gift. So I didn't write during that time. And um, it was hard to get back in the swing when I took that eight months off. It was really hard. There was a number of times where I was like, I can't finish. I can't finish. The first, I finally got a first draft done. And by the time I did that first draft, I was pretty sure I'd done a good job. I'd say it was all working from the same thing, like just big revisions, I would say by the time it got to the published thing, it was probably the fourth or fifth draft. And I struggled a lot. I mean, the first six months, I just wrote the same three chapters over and over because I was being a professor. You know, I defined the process. I had to learn to let go of perfectionism and I had to learn to move past procrastination or if I was going to procrastinate to use it in a productive way. So I would like research or I would make playlists of all the music I was listening to when I was 15, 16, 17, and it helped bring me back to that time. So I got very, or I'd go through all the press and read all the articles just to kind of jar my memory because we had, I had like plastic bins full of press. So that was kind of a way to still procrastinate, but put it to a useful purpose.
2: Did you find songwriting in any way similar to writing a memoir?
3: I found that I tended to write lyrically, but what really helped me was taking creative writing classes and being uh, an avid reader. I I understood what a story arc was. I understood that a memoir is a slice of life. It's not an autobiography. Um, I understood that I had to move the story forward, and just because something was meaningful to me or I wrote the best four pages of of literature I've ever written. I had to cut it because it didn't really make the story work in the story. So I, I, it was a big learning process. I was just looking through some of my old short stories yesterday because I thought maybe I should do a collection of short stories. And I was amazed at how just looking at them, how much I've grown as a writer. And I would think, oh, I got to fix this, you know. So, yeah, I tended to write lyrically. And um, what I really liked was I did a soundtrack to the book, and I went through the book after I'd finished it, and I just pulled text out, and I reworked it and made it more lyrical or more rhythmic and did songs that go with certain chapters. And that was an amazing process.
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's such a really nice addition to, to, and it it makes total sense. Obviously it's like,
3: I can't believe more musicians haven't done that because it, to me, it's like you have a whole book of real stuff, real heartfelt stuff already that you've organized, I should say organized. And all you have to do is pull out what can be a song. And when it's a soundtrack, You can do whatever you, I just, I had the most fun, so much fun doing the soundtrack, because I could do whatever I wanted. Like, I don't have to go, here's the intro, here's the verse, here's the verse, here's the chorus, go back to this verse, half a verse, bridge, chorus out. Like, there's forms to songwriting, which are there for a reason, they work.
2: Uh, You know, our our third and final question uh, usually revolves around, who you like these days musically and specifically if there's a, a band that you would like to highlight and
3: launch. The way I usually find out about music now is either my boyfriend, Michael Rouse in New York, my daughter, 17 year old Audrey, or fans. So fans often like just will tweet at me or post at me and say, Hey, you check this band out. So one time somebody said, you should check out this band, The Beaches. I think you would like them. And I always go because I'm just, you know, curious, especially when it's women, because they're just, I still want to see women succeed. Uh, That's all I really want to see. And so when I I was turned on to the beaches, I just fell in love with them. Um, They have tons of videos, so you could really fall into a rabbit hole with this band. Tons of videos, live stuff, I just thought this is the real thing. They are the real thing. They are the real thing. And what I love, one thing I love, besides they are really good musicians, they're having a blast. They're not like they're not all serious, and um, they really evoked for me when I was that age, and I was in a band. And, They seem to be having, we'll have to ask if somebody comes on. They seem to be having the time of their lives. They seem to be doing the sisterhood and just the exact way that I was feeling it when I was young. And it just makes me really excited and happy to see them. And they're the Beaches from Toronto. You
2: must be Kylie from the Beaches. Welcome. I am.
3: Hi. Hi.
4: How's everybody doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's obviously kind of weird being a, at home for like three weeks straight with my parents, but you know, that's that's okay. <laughs> well, Miss Kathy Valentine has just
2: been singing your praises here on Launch Left.
4: It's so nice to finally talk to you, Kathy. We're such big fans. This is crazy.
3: Oh, it's so awesome. And then they were playing at ACL in Austin and I was, wait, did that happen? Yeah. Was that? Was that Okay, so they were, pl- and I was so mad, because I had a gig in another city, like the one time, not the one time, but the first time they were coming to my town, and I wasn't here. So well, hopefully we'll be back in the summer or something.
2: Now, where is your band from, Kylie? Where are the beaches from?
4: We're from Toronto in Canada, so touring the States is always, like, really crazy for us. It's such a different experience, but we love it. Um, beauty it. Eh? Can't
2: help. Yeah. It. <laughs> so there you go, bud. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You have to. <laughs> well, I just love that this was the first time you all have met, and um, and maybe maybe there'll be tours in the future together or something. I oh. wanted
3: them. We were gonna do a tour this summer, and I was like, would you guys consider? Because they're not like they're not like nobody's heard of them I mean I mean they're totally on their way it's yeah not really, I mean they have it all going on so I was like would you guys even consider like opening for us and we I think we tried to make it happen but I, th- I don't think we pay very much money so there's that okay so I mean fun. it would be amazing to play a show with you guys we would yeah, absolutely maybe that's love what that we could do. how about I a to Toronto and play that'd be yeah cool. we well- could open for you guys
2: Maybe a benefit show, right? So nobody gets paid. It's like egalitarian and you raise funds for something that you both believe in. I
4: would love that. Like
2: women in rock or something.
4: Honestly, (laughs) so that would be, it's a good cause. There's a really cool um, program in Toronto. It's called Girls Rock Camp. And it like focuses on getting young women to be a part of the rock community and helping them kind of like get out of their shell. Because, you know, there's still like so much weird pressure there like girls still don't have like the same amount of confidence. Like when it comes to joining bands, luckily I was able to do it with my sister. And so like, it was a bit of a different experience, but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting
3: program. I would love to like help benefit that. They have girls rock camp, I think all over. And Oh really? Yeah. I think it's uh, like a brand or something. And it's really cool. Cause I mean, they didn't have anything like that when, no. when I was starting out. And I mean, I, I would have just loved to have, cause one of the problems, like I've, I've asked young, like really young musicians, like what is the biggest problem you face? And they always say finding other people that want to do it. You yeah. know. And I knew this one band and they, they had to find people, I don't know how they did it, but then they had nowhere to rehearse. So to have a place where you can just know that there's going to be other people that want to do it, that you can go actually play. Exactly.
0: So cool. Well, Kylie, so- you mentioned your
4: sister. Is she in the band as well? Yeah, my my sister's the lead singer in the band. She's actually right here working on a collage.
0: (laughs) Hi. Hi, sis.
4: We're in quarantine together, luckily, which is good. Is she Zoom zoom shot? She, she, do you want to say hi? Here. Hey.
5: Hey. Hey. What collage are you working on? I'm so interested. I'm um, turning, it's my friend's birthday, and I've been okay. doing this thing where I turn people into mythical creatures, so I'm turning her into a mermaid. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's I cool. did one of the, I, I started by doing myself as a phoenix, actually.
2: That's, <gasps> that's wow. gorgeous. Yeah. Look at those, what? Look what ashes things. are
5: you
0: rising from? Um... Like, what are you letting go of? What are you burning? What are you coming up through? Oh,
5: I didn't even think about it like that. I just thought, like, I really like phoenixes and I would like to see myself as one. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I didn't really have a deeper meaning other than I thought it looked good. <laughs>
3: I have a question for you how do because I've played bass a lot too and I play guitar a lot too but I cannot sing and play bass at the same time like I have to practice one line over and over with the bass part how do you do that
5: it's um muscle memory actually like I will I'll just learn I I sort of write the bass parts set or the girls will write the bass parts for me or I'll write it second and I'll um I'll memorize it till it's just like second nature and then I'll just sing over
3: it. Yeah. So I have a band in Austin and the lead singer is the bass player and she just keeps it. I mean, she can do it too. And I'm just like, how do you, I I just can't, I can't do it. I start, I start playing like how I'm singing. It starts like, you know. It's kind (laughs) of tricky.
5: I assume, I don't drive, but I assume it's kind of like how do you learn to move different parts of your body while you're drumming. drumming. Yeah, I like drumming too. Oh.
3: Yeah. yeah, when I would when I would try to play drums, I would be like when I was a kid. I would be like, I want to hold your hand. <laughs> I like. I would like hit the drum on every syllable. It was so lame.
5: <laughs> I can't even like. I have no idea how people sing and drum. That's yeah. insane to me.
3: Yeah. Crazy. Well, y'all are great. I'm such a fan. I love your band. So we love to to meet you guys in person. Yeah. Thank you guys and, so much. I'm Kathy Valentine, I play with the Go-Go's, and I would like to present here on Launch Left this band that I love called The Beaches. They're from Toronto, and here's their song, I Want What You Got.